0: Thank you for your presence here, Lord. Thank you for your dear presence. We, we welcome you. It, it, we know that we brought you in here. We, we brought you in. You came with us. But we just want to say, Holy Spirit, in all that you want to do here, we welcome you. Amen good to have you with us if you're just uh, joining us by live stream. I'm Jeff. I'll be facilitating conversation and sharing a message with you here and then uh, we're going to open it up for some questions and some answers in just a little bit. We are monitoring the chat window as well as the texts and so if you'd like to participate you can text us at 720-878-3323 or type your correspondence into the chat window which again we're monitoring. Last week we began a brand new series called Quieting the Noise. That was part one. Well this is part two today and uh, just by review I want to uh, talk about a couple of the key points from part one. First of all, Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 12 and verse 22, he looked his disciples in the eye and said, do not be distracted by any anxious thought about your life. Well, we talked about four areas where we are often distracted or we worry, we're anxious. You might remember this, provision, health, purpose or meaning, and belonging and i gave you 3 ways to deal with those distractions you might remember this number 1 don't waste a moment worrying jesus said don't waste a moment see that's within our control we just don't do it we say i'm not going to worry secondly soak our request so you lift everything you're concerned with in life you lift it to god and you soak that request in gratitude thankfulness so oftentimes, thankfulness alone, just gratitude, lifts us out of that malaise, lifts us out of that distraction, deals with the areas that we need for the Holy Spirit to help us with. Today, we talked about three different things. I gave you last week the third one, but we didn't spend time on it. And that's today. Practicing presence. So here's the big idea. A God who is distant, one who must be sought, found, received, or held on to, is not the loving God of Scripture or His Son Jesus. Such a God is the noise of religion, a distraction from the image of God that you already are. We've got to address this distraction. We can quiet this noise. So Here's something to just take home with you, all right? Get this, this, this goes with our big idea and, and this will be a key point throughout the sermon, but maybe a phrase that you can hold on to, okay, to remember this third point of how to deal with distractions and the noise of life. The distance you imagine will be the closeness you feel. The distance you imagine God being will be the closeness you feel God is to you. You see, a majority of people view God as distant, out there somewhere, minimally interested in the earth, diametrically opposed to the world, indignantly biding his time until he can vengefully bring an end to this mess. And consequently then, prayer is viewed as a function. The guilt-ridden approval-seeking come in shamed conscience before a reluctant father figure who first must qualify the requester. And then, if they're approved, this unwilling, distant God might answer yes, no. Were you taught this? Have you ever heard a sermon on this? God has three answers to your prayer. Yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> it's so unscriptural. So, and all the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are yes and amen. So be it. A view of God and Jesus, which views them in a manner described above, is not that of Scripture. Rather, it's one of religion or noise rather than relationship. What I want to talk to you about is the relationship That you have with God's presence that will bring noise and distraction into control so that you can focus on all that life has for you. Watch this. This is a man by the name of Paul. He was an ardent follower of Jesus. He was called an Apostle. He wrote a letter to a church back in Bible times called Colossae or Here's one of the things he said in the letter. Your indifferent mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors. Yet he has now fully reconciled and restored you to your original design. God is only distant when we alienate him through our mindset. God isn't a distant God. He's not holding us at a distance. We don't need to go get him. We don't need to praise the Lord to get in. We don't need to sing songs to get into his presence. I've come to abhor that concept, and yet I used to teach it and practice it, that singing and praising and worshiping God in music was so that we could get into the presence of God based on an Old Testament scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now there's a wonderful principle there, but it isn't, and it doesn't correlate and doesn't go with the New Testament revelation that we are in him. And only a mindset that I keep alienates me from God. I am immediately in God's presence right now. I don't have to go get him, I don't have to seek him out, I don't have to hold on to him, I'm not going to lose him. (sighs) Say it, I am not going to lose him. Say it, go ahead, I'm not going to lose him. There's nothing you can do to lose God's presence, all right? This word that Paul uses when he says, yet he has now fully reconciled and restored you to your original design, that word reconcile, is the Greek word for fully restored you to original value? You see, you have so much value to God. Unsurpassable worth. But here's the key. So does that homeless person. So does that so does that harlot who's walking the street. So does that business person, that CEO who's stealing from his company. So does that neighbor who's so difficult to get along with, right? So does, that fa- so does that family member who ridicules you for being a follower of Jesus. Each one of them has unsurpassable worth to God. And he loves them infinitely see. Any view of God which replaces his passionate pursuit of all of humanity with requirements, obedience, and legalistic adherence to a constitution of moral absolutes is noise. Its purpose is to distract you you from your true image and likeness in God, that which was revealed in Christ. Now, let me throw a just a concept out here that that is another way of stating what we've read here uh, by Paul in Colossians 1 a new view of you my wife will relate to that phrase because she used to have a teaching ministry traveling around the country with a partner of hers and it was called a new view of you teaching people about the self-image that was theirs in Christ Here's another thing that this same man, Paul, says in a different letter to another church. It's the church at Corinth. It's a second letter that he sends to them. It's chapter three and verse 18 of that letter. It says this, Now we all, with new understanding, see ourselves in him as in a mirror. The days of window shopping are over. In him every face is unveiled. In gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form, we suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror where every feature of his image articulated in Christ is reflected in us. The Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset, which we all used to have, by the way, I recognize that, I certainly did, to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity, from the fading glory of our own making to the discovering of the most amazing reality that we are His glory. When we talk about glory to God, do you realize you're talking about yourself? you are God's glory? Why, I'd I'd never... I'd never be so bold, I'd never be so proud, I'd never be so full of myself as to say I'm the glory of... Stop. Stop it right now. Stop belittling yourself. Stop thinking of yourself in terms which are less than God himself thinks of you. You are the image of God. When, when you look into the Bible, you know what you should see. You know what's being reflected back to you. Not just a picture of Jesus and how he lived and the things he did. You're seeing you. That's God's image. Jesus is a mirror of myself, a reflection. Jesus is not just an example for me. Jesus is an example of me. Now ask yourself, practically speaking, even though Jesus went through tests and trials and so forth, I bet he always had a sense of joy. I bet Jesus never had a problem with peace. I bet Jesus was every day walking in a certain level of confidence and victory. Do you know that's you? There isn't anything Jesus is or has that you aren't say that after me there isn't anything Jesus has there isn't anything Jesus is that I'm not see now here's what will really bring this home it's a Greek word we're not very familiar with it but it was used throughout the New Testament church at that time because it's a Greek word that they understood and used to describe this reality of God's presence that we live in. Here you go. It's the word perichoresis. Proximity or presence. All right? Now, you pronounce it perichoresis, actually. That's the proper pronunciation. Perichoresis. It's Greek for this. Roughly translated, it means to make space around. More specifically, it refers to the way in which someone or something makes space around itself for others or something else. It was used to describe God's mutual indwelling. His indwelling in Christ, but watch this, His indwelling in you. Now, we would all say, I know God is in Christ. I know Christ is like God and He in fact is God. Would you say that about yourself? Would you say, you know, I'm not only, I don't only like God, I am like God. You're not God, God, Father, Son, but you are God's being, you're God's kid. You have his DNA. Everything God is, you are through Christ. Not of your own doing, but through Christ. It's the idea of God's mutual indwelling. Now, it's also described this way. It's like a swirling, and it's a metaphor that the teacher Jurgen Moltmann, great theologian, used when he said, it's like a dance. Let me illustrate it. Here's two pieces of artwork. Here's the first one. This first piece of artwork is... Loosely, it's used to describe this relationship of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice it's not hierarchical. It's not one over the other. It's a relationship of mutual self-giving and sacrifice, of love. And they're in a dance together. Here's a second version of it. I love this. Look at that. Now, that's the Trinity. I was taught that God was on top, then there was Jesus, and then there was the little Holy Spirit who was kind of the servant boy. Blasphemy. Nothing in Scripture would teach that hierarchical structure to the Trinity. The beauty of the Trinity is perichoresis, a divine circular dance of mutual self-giving and intimate love and receiving one another. Daniel Schroer says this, quote, perichoresis is used to describe theologically the divine dance of the three persons of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make room for each other, move in and through one another, dance with one another in such a way that creates a mutual indwelling while still maintaining space for each individually. There's no hierarchy in God and there should be no hierarchy in our systems or in our structure, especially within the body of Christ, within our church practices, within our worship systems. Here's the words that Jesus used in John chapter 15. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In chapter 17, in his prayer for you and me, he says this, that all of them might be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory. I have given, there it is again, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete uni- It's that circular divine dance that's going on. And notice your part watch this now your part of the Trinity you're not divine like God the Father I'm not saying that but through Christ and him redeeming you to your original design that he created you to enjoy you've been brought into the circular dance it's not just three there's a fourth person there, you. You are immediately now in God's presence. Baxter Kruger, wonderful teacher, theologian, he's still alive teaching, pastoring, traveling, he said this, and I quote, someone asked me recently, what is God doing in your life? If you could have heard the way he said, God, you would have known that his question was loaded. As soon as he asked it, a feeling of inferiority swept through my heart. For I knew that he was asking me, what supernatural, what grand and astonishing thing had God done in my life recently? I knew that if I didn't have a rather grandiose story to tell that my spirituality would be questioned. I remember this. I remember being asked this. I remember asking others this and exactly what Baxter's talking about here. Watch. Here's what he said. Well, I said, he gave me a ruby red grapefruit, two daughters, a son, baseball, fishing lures, friends, and a wife to dance with. (laughs) That's amazing! You know what he's saying? I'm in Christ. We're in God. God's in us. Don't separate all of that. God doesn't leave you when you go to work. God doesn't leave you when you're playing baseball. Or a sport tonight the Nuggets in a series the finals for the first time in their history are playing game two I'm gonna be in front of my television set don't call me I won't answer (laughs) now I'm excited about this but you know what God's going to be right there with me eating popcorn sucking on a Pepsi having some sweets, whatever we fix for dinner, you know, while we're watching the game. And when I shout, yes, God's gonna be going, yes. <laughs> Who, who's that? What, what's his name? <laughs> That's what Baxter was saying here. You cannot separate your reality, your life, from the very presence of the whole Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are immediately now, not only outside of you, they live in you. Mutual indwelling. Perichoresis. When I move, they move. When they move, I move. We're in a divine dance. In Him I live and move and have my being. Talk about quieting the noise! Talk about quieting the noise of so many voices. You know, you lost your job this week. It's going to be tough to get another job. You know, they're not hiring right now. It's, oh, you're, you know, you'll probably lose a couple months of rent. How are you going to pay your bills? All this noise that must be attacking your mind if you just lost your job. And in that, God reminds us perichoresis. I'm in a divine dance. Take no thought. Don't you worry for a moment about that job. Don't you worry for a moment about those bills. Lift it to God in gratitude. Soak it in gratitude. And then number three, start just voicing your thanks and your appreciation and realization that you are in a divine dance with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're now the fourth person in that dance, in that perichoresis. <laughs> you don't have to go get God. You don't have to find Him. You don't have to hold on to Him. There's nothing you can do to keep God. You're in Him. He's in you. You say, well, what about that sin? What if I sin? Well, you sin in His presence then. What if I have this bad thought? Well, you're having a bad thought right in his presence. He knows it, and he's not moved by it. And it doesn't change his love. It doesn't change his power. It doesn't change his availability. What does? You say, well, when I goof up, when I sin, when I'm struggling with some things, I just feel like God is distant from me. Why? Mindset. There's one thing that puts God at a distance, and one thing only. A mindset that he's out there. He's not. He's right here. And I'm right there. The distance you imagine God to be is and will be the closeness of God that you feel. James chapter 1, verse 25. No distraction or contradiction can dim the impact of what is seen in the mirror concerning the law of perfect liberty, the law of faith. That now frees one to get on with the act of living. Your baseball, your job, you're cleaning the house, you're washing the clothes. You're going to be with the grandkids, having the grandkids over. You need a new car. You're driving down the highway going to an appointment. (laughs) God's right in the middle of it. What great thing has God done for you? I'm married to a wife. I have a wonderful daughter who's married to a wonderful my son-in-law, Matt, our worship leaders. I miss them today. I trust they're watching. And and hi, Matt and Lisa. And you know there's just no distance in that. And the power of God's just as present right now with them there watching. Jeff, our sound guy, he's out today. He's watching by live stream. He's already texted and and, and, and typed into the chat room, you know, that he's watching and he's listening. Hi, Jeff. There's just, there's no distant. God is in all of that. Perichoresis. Baxter said this. This is not about asking Jesus to come into our life. It's about Jesus including us in his. People believe in this distant God where everything is transactional which then becomes about us asking this God to come into our lives and then proving by our righteousness that he can stay there. And that's complete noise. It's the noise of religion. Get rid of it. I'm going to close and then we'll have our Q&A with a statement by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Now, Diedrich has long ago gone to be with the Lord. He only lived into his 30s. He, was, uh, he lived during the time of Germany and the rise of the Third Reich and Nazism and because of his position and his theology, of course, he was put in prison and so forth. He, many of the things Diedrich wrote, he wrote from prison. Watch this. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and I quote, In the body of Christ, God is united with humankind, all humanity is accepted by God, and the world is reconciled to God. In the body of Jesus Christ, God took on the sin of all the world and bore it. There is no part of the world, no matter how lost, no matter how godless, that has not been accepted by God in Jesus Christ and reconciled to God. God loves human beings. God loves the world. Not an ideal human, but human beings as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God, what we shrink back from with pain and hostility, namely real human beings, the real world, this is for God, the ground of unfathomable love. God establishes a most intimate unity with this. God becomes human. A real human being. While we exert ourselves to grow beyond our humanity to leave the human behind us, God becomes human, and we must recognize that God wills that we be human, real human beings. While we distinguish between pious and godless, good and evil, noble and base, God loves real people without distinction. God has no patience with our dividing the world and humanity according to our standards and opposing our, imposing ourselves as judges over them. Come on now, is that amazing? God leads us, he continues, into absurdity by becoming a real human being and a companion of sinners, thereby forcing us to become The judges of God. God stands beside the real human being and the real world against all their accusers. So God becomes accused along with human beings and the world and thus the judges become the accused. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his book on ethics. Is that powerful? You see, when I judge somebody, when, when I rail against somebody's ungodliness and they're not like me and they're not Christian and oh that cursing and oh that disgusting lifestyle or whatever it is, God climbs into their situation and says, wait a minute, you're judging me. I love them. This is where I dwell. This is where I live how dare you judge me what's he saying perichoresis we're one Oh man I, I could just I've gotta stop <laughs> I've gotta stop I've gotta allow some time for some question and answers here's the first question I want you to ponder why do you think so many people view God as distant do you we have a microphone here, and Nina, I know I'm going to be taxing you a little bit, but uh, since our mic guy is not here today. <laughs> hey, Matt, uh, the one thing we do miss, okay? We, we love you just right where you are, and we can feel you, brother. We miss you carrying the mic around. Why do you think so many people view God as distant? Come on. why uh, Out there, you can text us. 720 3323 or you can type it into the chat window. Why do you think so many people view God as distant?
1: Okay, well, I'll say something. I think we were taught to think that. Wow we were taught as a matter of fact <laughs> that's part of the four spiritual laws that were because of sin we were separated <laughs> from God so it was in the little pamphlet yeah, it's in the pamphlet from it the beginning the booklet, yeah. four yeah, spiritual laws yeah, we, yeah, we were we told to, you're separated from
0: God we'd go out street witnessing mm-hmm. that was our little booklet that we'd hand to people the four spiritual laws and it said exactly that God is here he's holy you're separated from him <laughs>
1: yeah
0: Anybody else to she'll bring you the mic. You have to say it over the mic so our live stream audience can hear you. Be bold, go ahead
2: right uh yes, it's uh I just I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> 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 uh, no uh it's I was gonna comment on that I, I yes.
0: Forgot what you were going to say? Yeah. Well, think about it. Here's what Jeff says. He typed this into the chat window. He says, what, to the question, why do, why, why do so many people, why do you think so many people view God as distant? He says, because we cannot see God. So we, we think that he's far away. Oh, that's Isn't, really that that's really Isn't that true? Isn't You know, because I can't see God, so he must be out there see that's where we need to spend time up here we need to
2: change this yes I know for me like this morning I was feeling a little depressed but I was holding my little dog and I was loving on my little dog and the Lord says you know something that's that's me holding you Mm -hmm. and you know that you know and when you when I, I was feeling down and cause of everything's last week that happened. And uh, he says, you know something? Did I not, did I not die for you? Did I not take the, the beating for you? Did I not, you, you know, I did everything for you wow. and I'm not gonna stop doing, doing stuff for you, you know? And just that, you know, that the world may be against you but he's he's never never against against us you know he, he just loves us non-stop you know yeah and even you know even if you you have a, a, a past you know if even if you are a, he had a felony or whatever in your past you know he like like what you said pastor Jeff that you know that he he was He's there too, you know, and that, uh, you know, that he saw everything that was happening and he's not going to stop loving you for, for whatever. He could just erase your past and, so good. and give you a new, a new, f- a good pre- yeah. future, yeah. you know. So good. And, uh, but yeah, so, you know. Beautiful. And that's, you know, and that's, and just. You know, that's just it you know. Beautiful Jim I, uh, we have the same
0: thing happen when we hold our little Shisus our, our boy and girl uh, we just you know we're reminded of, of good things about God and his love for us and how much he cares for us and, and we just see God in our little guys you know uh, we've become such softies that way. By the way Matt and Lisa say so many beautiful gifts mm. in our everyday life if we are just aware of them in a spirit of gratitude isn't that true?
1: Um, we have one here uh, Franny says one of the reasons we don't think we're th- th- we think God is distant is right. because we feel like we don't deserve God's love or kindness due don't to our past. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Go ahead.
1: I do have to say I did receive it. You didn't receive it. I did receive it. You didn't receive it. Um with surgery I had.
0: Yeah.
1: On my brain.
0: Uh-huh. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Because I could have had it not do anything but here I am. Here you are. You might be happy or you might not be happy (laughs) that (laughs) That I'm here. We're happy you're
0: here. (laughs) We're happy you're here (laughs) 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 friend. Yeah yeah I agree. Uh, Here's something that uh, Matt and Lisa say some of our own fathers were distant or disappointed if we let them down. So love in general is conditional in most of our relationships. So we assume God's love is also conditional. How true, Mm -hmm. how really true, Mm -hmm. great point. Really great point.
1: And then you see Darcy's there.
0: Yeah, Darcy says, we're taught that our sins take us away from God's presence. So clearly God's going to be distant if our sins take us out of his presence. And, And see, here's what happened in all of the, for hundreds and hundreds of years of the early church they taught perichoresis, mutual indwelling of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in us, the body of Christ. They taught that. As the message went through the decades and the, what do you call a hundred year?
1: Centuries.
0: As it, as it then migrated and went into different countries through the centuries especially after it hit America, the message became about holiness. Right and wrong thinking and about moral behavior. And we exchanged indwelling for holiness. Mm. And when we did, especially here in Evangelical Americas message, it became about you having to live a certain way and live by a certain standard and do right in order to be pleasing so God started being out there rather than the message of perichoresis see when I when I meditate when I dwell on who I am in Christ when when I become aware and I spend time just thinking and dwelling and praying and worshiping on who I am in Jesus it takes care of holiness yeah it changes what I want to think and who I want to be okay watch this according to Paul in his letter to the church at Coloss or Colossae what holds God at a distance according to what Paul said Darcy's pointing at it right here your mind it's a mindset it's not God he is not distant from you listen to me live stream God is not distant from you if there's one message you get God is not distant from you it is a mindset and so to our to our big idea the distance you imagine God being is the closeness that God will be to you or what you'll feel about God so what one word best describes god's presence and how we relate to it that we've just been talking about anybody you type it into the chat or you can tell me here what one word just describes he loves us but i'm looking for a word it's a single word that we've used this morning it's a greek word and it just describes God's presence. Paracaresis. Paracareces, thank you very much. <laughs> Tried to make that one easy for you. What might you now tell someone who asks you, hey, what is God doing in your life? What might you now, after hearing these things this morning, what might you now tell somebody? Anybody? Anybody? Barb types into the chat window yes our relationship with our own fathers can affect our relationship with God absolutely yes some of us were born into and came up under a very wonderful father and mother and we we learned these self and reassuring things and learned about God's presence and, and some of us grew up in very abusive homes and it absolutely makes a difference I grew up in a home where my father was very abusive and where it was all about performance. What you did to gain his pleasure. What you had to do to be okay and to be right and to get his blessing. And so I I transferred that. And then I started attending a church and went to Bible college in in a religious system that was very heavy, heavy handed and authoritarian and taught very much that blessing followed obedience and performance. It's taken me years and years to come into perichoresis. So what might you tell somebody now who asks you? So what's, what's God done for you lately?
1: Well, Darcy says, he woke me up this morning.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for some of us, that's a victory, that? that's right? right? <laughs> Jeff says how much time do you have exactly <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> how much time do you have
1: okay you and you, you what I found you all oh thank you oh
0: thank you Franny <laughs> Fran says I found you all yeah she found Genesis gathering
1: I think going back, I haven't read the whole thing Jim Cameron's saying here, but it looks like it's going to be in reference to um, the distance question. Okay. So um, he said, like Nina, it was the way I was brought up. I was taught hell and damnation. You're going to hell if you don't change what you're doing. I believe that if I want to touch God, I only need to touch anyone or anything around me because they, God, is in everyone and everything. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true,
0: Jim. I used to make fun of people that found God in things, inanimate objects, and I don't anymore. I used to call them tree huggers, and you know, things like that, and make make fun of people who were sensitive to uh, the care of the earth and so forth. And now I realize, oh, what a mistake, you know, because God, God's in everything. I mean, God's not a rock. You, you understand what I mean by that? But, but the, the beauty and the perichoresis of God's mutual indwelling in animals, in the creation, in, in everything. When I'm more aware of that, it brings a peace and a softness, a kindness into me that's been so healthy and so special. We're going to stop there because we need, uh, we need a couple of minutes for our time of prayer and